welcome to the ABCA's podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Brownlee. This episode is brought to you by our friends over at Team Builder. Team Builder is the premier strength and conditioning app for baseball teams. Team Builder is used by 11 organizations in Major League Baseball. Baseball coaches from travel to college teams can write training programs or choose from pre-designed training programs built by professional baseball strength coaches, all for as low as $50 per month. Personally, we used Team Builder when I was coaching at Western Illinois University. It's very user-friendly and streamlines all of your programming. It also makes training sessions on or off campus easier to access for your athletes. Right now, when you start a 14-day free trial, use promo code ABCA to receive four free baseball-specific strength and conditioning training programs directly into your account. In just one click, you can set your team up with a professionally designed strength training program delivered to every player's mobile app every single day. You can reach out to Hewitt Tomlin over at Team Builder on Twitter at T-E-A-M B-U-I-L-D-R, or on their website at www.teambuilder.com or via phone at 240-528-7848 and let Hewitt know that the ABCA sent you. And now on to the ABCA podcast. We have something new for you all on the ABCA podcast. Longtime college coaches, head coach at San Diego State, Mark Martinez, and head coach at Northwestern University, Spencer Allen, are putting on their podcast host hats. They are interviewing Eastern Kentucky University head baseball coach Edwin Thompson and Presbyterian College head baseball coach Elton Pollock. Coach Allen is in his fourth season as the head coach at Northwestern University and his 18th season coaching overall. Coach Martinez is in his seventh season as the head coach at San Diego State and has 30-plus years of college coaching experience. Both Coach Thompson and Coach Pollock have a very unique path to becoming head coaches. You're going to want to get your notepad and pen ready because they are great examples of each person having a unique journey in the coaching profession. Both coaches will do a much better job of explaining their path than I will in this episode, so get ready to be amazed at both of their journeys. It's a pleasure to sit in and listen to all four of these pros. It's great to listen in with all four of them, and anyone will pick up a ton of great ideas. Take it away, Coach Allen and Coach Martinez. Ryan, thank you for the, the intro, and, and uh, man, just, just really, really fired up to, to be here today. Um, we, we've got some great guests, um, and so um, just, just like Ryan said, my, my name is Spencer Allen, uh, head baseball coach at Northwestern University. Uh, been coaching for um, 17 years, and uh, you know it, it's it's which is crazy <laughs> to to think about, uh, but but the game of baseball has been been good to me, and I'm just really excited to really to, to learn today, um, to dive into um, you know some some stories, and, and ultimately uh, hope hopefully you know gain some some knowledge and, and some inspiration on uh, how minority coaches can get into. Um, the, the game of, of, of baseball uh, as a whole. Uh, again, Ryan, just want to say thank you. Thank you to the ABCA. Uh, get a chance to co-host with, uh, with with Coach Martinez. So, Coach, how are we doing today? Doing great. And again, thank, thanks, Spencer. Ryan, thanks again for a great introduction. And 
Um, thanks to the ABCA for the platform and, and uh, just fired up to get after it. I've been coaching for a little bit longer than Spencer, almost 30 years, well, over 30 years now. Um, most of that was during, as, a, as an assistant coach. I'm uh, entering my seventh year as a head coach at San Diego State um, and been blessed to be around a lot of great people. And, and like you said, Spencer, just been blessed to be in the game as long as I have. And baseball has given me so much, uh, not only just me, but my family. And so I'm, I'm very thankful for for that. And so I'm looking forward to our great discussion today and kind of hopefully uh, um, getting the word out to, to kind of advance opportunity and growth in our game. You know, really looking forward to that. And so two great guests today. So Spence, I'll turn it back over to you and, and uh, let's rock and roll. Yeah. Yeah. So, so just, just real quick, um, about two and a half years ago, the ABCA um, formed a, a, a committee, a diversity committee, um, and, and really just trying to um, you know, dive into, you know, how to, how to make change in, in the game, in, in our game. And, um, I, and just quick, I just want to read through, um, so Carrick Jackson uh, is our, is our diversity committee chair, Tyrone Brooks, uh, Kenny Fullman, Bonnie Hoffman, Richard Canner, Steph Lewis, uh, coach Mark Martinez, Kimya Massey, Ravel Melendez, Tony Regans, and Jeremy Sheetinger, uh, make up, um, uh, the, the diversity committee. And, and really, when we look at it, there, there are two areas. Uh, one, really trying to figure out how to grow the game at, at the youth level, right? As we all could probably have, have heard somewhere and, and have talked a lot about that the, the youth game uh, needs more minority, especially when you're talking about African-American black players. Um, it needs more in from the pro level all the way down to the youth. Today, uh, you know, our, our focus is really on, on kind of the, the, the second side of, of the diversity committee's initiative, and that's professional development and, and, and how to get grow the game in coaching, um, whether it's on the pro side. Today, we are just blessed and joined with uh, two awesome head coaches, and um, I'm just going to turn it over uh, to, to Edwin to, to start off and, and just have you uh, give your story, and I uh, just want to welcome you. So th thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Spence, Ryan, and Coach Martinez, uh, and ABCA for this opportunity. It's been uh, it's been great to see um, all the different uh, communication about this 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 topic, and I think it's one that uh, I'm excited per personally to to talk about. So, um, you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about my background. My name is Edwin Thompson, head baseball coach at Eastern Kentucky University, and uh, I think I'll start even back in college. Start off at college. Howard University and HBCU at Washington, D.C. Uh, they dropped baseball after my sophomore year. Um, so I was in a tough situation. I drove about 15 minutes across the street to University of Maryland, uh, played there for a little bit. And then I said, I want to get down where it's a little bit warmer. I went down to Florida at Weber University where I ended up graduating. And from there, I played a year of independent ball, uh, couldn't hit the slider. Um, so then my career was into, in, forced into coaching by uh, lack of talent. Um, so from there, I went back to my high school. I started off coaching high school baseball um, that spring. That summer, I did some travel baseball. Uh, got an opportunity to coach high school football, middle school basketball. Um, I coached everything you could. I helped out with the girls' basketball team. I was a varsity basketball coach. I coached AAU, uh, high school football, and all the time I was coaching college baseball. I'm entering my 17th year um, coaching college baseball. Sixth, I just finished my fifth year at EKU, and I'm going into my sixth year. And so 
I did six years of Division three. I got a job at Bates College as my first head coaching job in 2009. And um, it was really a great opportunity, uh, or 2008, I guess it was, to, uh, to, to, to lead a program. And then I got my break um, two years after that. We set a school record in wins. Uh, during the time that I was coaching um, baseball at Bates, people don't realize I coached football. I was the running backs coach. In the NESCAC, there's no fall baseball. So I was able to coach high, uh, college football um, for two years as well. And I was also uh, game management and track, and I taught a, a, a PE class in, in the school. So if you've ever done Division three or smaller schools, you kind of realize that path. Um, but those years, Division three gave me a great opportunity to learn, to grow, to coach, to make mistakes. Um, to, and I'll never – everything I learned was, I was at University of Maine in Farmington uh, with Dick Meter, who was a legendary coach up there. Um, but I, I went from Bates to Duke. University, a jump, literally two years prior to being at Duke University as a recruiting coordinator, I was uh, a middle school track coach and special education teacher, and as well as coaching college baseball. So it was an amazing path that I've been on. Uh, I've been very blessed to have people give me opportunities like Sean McNally did uh, at Duke. I was the first black uh, recruiting coordinator in the ACC uh, and at Duke, obviously, and uh, was there for two years. And then I was fortunate to get a pitching coach job down at Georgia State. Uh, Greg Frady gave me opportunity at Georgia State University and uh, was there for three years and as also a recruiting coordinator, pitching coach, and then um, got the job at Eastern Kentucky. And that's uh, 2015. And here we are in Jan- uh, 2020, going into year number six. Uh, it's been a, a blessing and it's a great uh, opportunity that I've had and people along the way. So it's been um my path is not a traditional path, but it's one that was best for me and to help me be prepared for the situation I'm in now. That is an unbelievable story. We're gonna, we got way a lot more questions for you, man. <laughs> yeah, we do. <laughs> yeah, we do. Holy cow. Um, yeah. that, that, that's awesome story. And we're, we're going to dive into more of that as we get, get going here. But uh, sure. Elton, you want to kind of go through your background and tell us your story? Uh, sure. Um, well, I'll, I'll start with kind of where Edwin started. I, I'm actually a, a product of Presbyterian College and um, you know I, I was a football baseball guy at, at PC and really uh, baseball was my passion obviously and, uh, and and really what I wanted to do all the time but football was a way to provide the funding to, to pay for school. So and it was also during the Bo Jackson era and the Dion Air and everything else. And I think we all had a little bit of wanting to beat them and us uh, as we were competing. Yeah. Um, but I, I played for some very good coaches. Um, Tim Corbin, uh, who obviously is the head coach at Vanderbilt, restarted the program at Presbyterian uh, in the late uh, mid to late 80s. And I came along in the early 90s and uh, he recruited me uh, as, a, as a kind of a utility guy. I pitched a little bit uh, on the front end of my career uh, with Coach Corbin. He left after my sophomore year, and he went to uh, Clemson University. He was replaced there by uh, Doug Kovash. Uh, Doug Kovash was the head coach there and then uh, went on to uh, Sanford University and then to UAB and, and Lawson State. Um, and so once I got done playing uh, in college, after I graduated, <clears throat> I was drafted uh, by the Pirates in the 15th round, got a chance to play uh, for some very influential uh, people in my life uh, during that time. Uh, the great Willie Stargell was uh, a mentor uh, during my time there at uh, Pirate City. And also um, Pete Vukovic was there uh, and uh, Bill Verdon was the outfield instructor. So it was 
a lot of a lot of deep knowledge, obviously, uh, not only at the major league level during that time, uh, coming off of the time when, of course, Bonds and uh, O'Neal, events like those names were kind of household names during those early 90s. They kind of transitioned out of that. And, uh, and the farm system was very deep. A lot of talented guys there uh, in Pittsburgh. Uh, but after my time playing with the Pirates, um, I got out of baseball for a while and <clears throat> settled down, got married, moved around from uh, Atlanta. I was living in Atlanta and uh, settled down with my wife. I was actually a techie, uh, leaning on my degree uh, a little bit as I was working in the uh, Cary area. And we got married when she was in medical school at uh, ECU. Um, Brody Hospital there. Uh, and so once we got married, we decided to move closer to home. Uh, we had a little one uh, who had just been born and we moved back to Lawrence, South Carolina. We chose Lawrence because it was rural. There was an area that as we sat down, they had a program in the state of South Carolina that would pay back your student loans if you worked in a rural area. And what better rural area than where I went to school right there at Presbyterian College and I was provided an opportunity uh, to be an assistant for Doug Kovash, my former head coach after Tim Corbin, who uh, brought me in and really showed me the ropes, taught me a lot, uh, just about being a man, to be honest, uh, how to take care of your family, um, how to love Christ, to be honest. Uh, that was something that was foundational uh, for him and really what, uh, you know, I grew up in the church, but I really saw the example of how to live it. Um, through him and how he coached this game to be able to do that. So that was in uh, 2002, 2003, and I was his full-time assistant that first year and hitting coach. I did not know what I was doing. Uh, it's uh, just because you can play this game sometimes uh, doesn't mean you can teach it. I can tell you that. And so I was somebody that had to learn and, and retrain some things in my mind uh, because it wasn't about me or what I had you know, done or anything on paper, but it was about the connection with the kids. And I think I started to learn that even, you know, way after that, it took me some time with that because I thought it should come much easier than it did. But Coach, uh, Coach Kovash allowed me in my second year um, when I was working for about, I think, $2,800 that year. Um, <laughs> and that's hundred, not thousand. Um, the sacrifices we make on the end, uh, on this end of things, but $2,800 in that first year of working for him. Uh, my wife said, you got to figure something out because I need a little bit of help. Uh, she was, she was still in the little one and everything else. And so I'm always gone. The time commitment versus the money is not even, uh, not even close in many scenarios, uh, in and throughout, but so he allowed me to take a volunteer role the second year and uh, opened up an indoor facility, actually, and, and started doing lessons and started teaching the game. And uh, that time doing uh, lessons and teaching the game really taught me a tremendous amount just about how to connect, how to talk to parents, how to encourage kids um, and how to, how to make kids better. Uh, everybody's not going to be a professional baseball player. I heard a scout tell me just yesterday, he's like, when I'm working with that kid and that's the thing out of their mouth, I'm like, get that out of your head, you know, get that out of your head because it's, it's, it's very few, the percentage that get that opportunity. So just trying to be very real with kids. And I learned that through that indoor uh, facility. And then coach Kovacs left, took a job at Sanford and I recommended me for the head job uh, with a stamp of approval of coach Corbin as well. Um, and, very good AD and president at the time, 
um, Dr. John Griffith and also B. Carlton was our AD at the time, um, took a chance on me and gave me a shot to, to be the head coach. And I've been there now for going on my 17th year. So uh, awesome. I can talk to you a whole lot about what's going on <laughs> since then, but hopefully I'm better than when I started. <laughs> <There's no doubt. laughs> Outstanding. Um, Spencer, let me go ahead and start, start yeah, yeah, with it. Yeah. yeah. Um, Edwin, well, well, kind of getting back to your story. I mean, that, that, that's a, a very unique one. Both of you guys have unbelievable stories and it's just, it's awesome to hear kind of the path that you got to where you are. And obviously there's a lot of grind and a lot of, you know, <laughs> peaks and valleys, um, $2,800, bless your heart. Um, that's, uh, that's kind of where I started way back in the day as well. So I, I get it, but, but starting with you, Edwin, kind of what was the, the one thing that you feel like, you know, pushed your career? What was the one thing that you did, um, you know, with all the things that you were doing, you know, ultimately ended up in the chair you're at now, what was that one thing that kind of moved you to that position that you can kind of turn back and say, this was it. This is what, what really got me to, and maybe it wasn't just in the baseball realm, but just all the hats you were wearing throughout your, 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 your story. What was the one thing that kind of, you kind of always went back to that was helping you develop and, and get better and position yourself to advance your career? Well, first off, I only got a thousand dollar stipend for four years, so I'm jealous of the twenty eight hundred. <laughs> I had to do a little bit extra lessons to to so it in itself. But uh, so I'm I'm you know good for you, Coach. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> you know the, during that time, and I, I've broken this down before, where I I was I was at a high school level, and at the same time I was coaching college. And those years, there's four years where I call, you know, it's just like I was like a hamster wheel. I was going from, I was just nonstop. And I was single at the time. Obviously, I don't think I could have a relationship. Um, but it really allowed me to grow as a coach. And I think when you get out from playing, you think you know everything or you think you know how to, you don't know how to necessarily teach something. And even though I played, you know, a decent level, I was coming back and I was how to catch, catch, catch myself of like how to communicate that to the players. And I think there was a period of time where it was trial and error. And I, I recently, probably about two years ago, I wrote a letter to my first middle school basketball team. And I said, thank you for being understanding of a guy. They were 10, year old, 10 years old and I was treating them like they're division one players. I was just coming from or, you know, professionally. And but my, my foundation was there. And but I didn't know how to necessarily communicate that to my players that I do now. Fast forward. But I think it was just a combination of just great experiences um, at Division Three, I had to drive the vans. I did the laundry. I scheduled. I did fundraising. Um, I did recruiting. I, I did pitching. I did hitting. I did catching. And I think sometimes it's just like players do. Sometimes they get caught into a, like a, a, all I do is play baseball. Well, I played five or six sports. And that, so it was normal for me when I got this opportunity to coach, to coach multiple things. Like our girls basketball coach would say, hey, I need someone to go scout. I'll do it. I'll help you out. And it was just learning those type of experiences. So really those first four years, if I didn't have those four years of coaching, you know, football, basketball, even middle school track, like I said, I know I wouldn't be prepared like I am now because I can deal with literally every little thing that comes up in my job now that I've had over the time. And I think that those, those people, that people that think you just have to go from playing to a division one school, it, it, I think that's kind of where the misconception is. It's like, you don't have to do that. Everyone's path is different. Now it's not easy thousand dollar stipend and working a full-time job and, 
it, 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 there's a there's a real level of it's a challenging thing. But if you're passionate about impacting young people, which that was always my goal, then it's like I get to go to field and practice. Yeah, I don't make much money or I don't have a lot of time, but I get to do what I love. And I think that's kind of where I, I found that during those first four years. And then I got opportunities and those, those breaks were, you know, the job at Bates was a, a big time head coaching job. And then I got the job at Duke. And then I've been blessed to have people that gave me opportunities. And that's another conversation. But that foundational period, those four years at Division Three University of Maine at Farmington, I wouldn't trade that for the world. Hmm. It's awesome. It's funny because even, you know, talking to other coaches just on a previous phone call, one of the things that, you know, both both you and, and Elton have talked about is like, and we all have experienced this, is that you, you think you know everything. You, you, you think when you first start, you're like, I'm going to infuse this. I have got it on lockdown. And, and what happens is that you do fail miserably. And, and, and that, I think that's where, I think that's where we've all learned is like, you know, you kind of put it out there and you're, you're, you're thinking you kind of got on lockdown and you figure out real quick. Um, number one is that the, the people that you're, you're teaching or trying to coach probably know a lot more than you do at that point. Mm-hmm. And, and, and then the, the delivery piece. And it's so obviously you, you failed a lot. Um, and I'm not saying in wins and losses, I think just kind of through your teachings and, and you figure out what works good and how, how do people respond to what you're doing? That's a, that's an unbelievable message is that you gotta, you gotta not be afraid to fail, yeah. you know, and, and, um, and obviously to get to your point where you are now, you've, you've went through a lot of ups and downs. You probably had to change flat tire with that van you're driving and all that stuff. And, <laughs> um, I mean, that's an amazing story. It's awesome, but it's a recurring theme. When you say Spence, kind of the same thing we heard in our last phone calls. Like the first thing you figure out real quick is you don't know everything, and um, and you start to listen rather than than talk, you know. And you start to listen to the people you're you're trying to to, to coach. So, um, go ahead, Spence, you're up. Yeah, I'm just gonna say, I mean, what what are you just kind of answering that same question? I, I think that that's a great question. What, what what do you think was was your kind of defining moment? Well, I I think for me, honestly, it was um, it was realizing the impact that I had on, I guess, my coaches. When you look back from the from this end of it, for them to entrust me enough to provide me with that initial opportunity, um, because I think if when you when you make the most of it, whether it be playing or or whether it be um, you know a student assistant opportunity that someone gives you, something stood out to them, um, and and it's not a it's not a situation where you're tooting your own horn or anything like that. It's just when you are given a job to do, you, you do it to the best of your ability. And and you know I was a football player, free safety mindset playing baseball. So, I mean, running over catchers was not illegal back then. I probably was, but I mean, we still did those things and we just played aggressively, you know, you weren't trying to hurt anybody, but played extremely aggressively. Uh, Coach Corbin coached it that way. Coach Kovash coached it that way. Uh, Just the things, even in my high school, I played for a Hall of Fame high school coach here in the Columbia area, almost South Carolina, Strother Sly, who passed away a few years back. I uh, was in a position where I could get to uh, his wake and say hello to his wife uh, during that time. But the influences they had on me made me play the game like at a, or want to play the game at a different level to, to always want to be the example. And I think <clears throat> the reasons that you do that is 
uh, ultimately you don't want to disappoint those who have entrusted things in you. So mm-hmm. when I look back, I, I think obviously the failures have shaped me uh, for the most part, but I look at it from almost a different angle of the opportunity provided that I had to have made some of them to make some type of impression for someone to have favor on me uh, through that experience. So, I mean, that would be a message to, I think, to, to young folks. It's just every opportunity you're given, uh, and I don't care what the role is, and we're, and we're going back through and defining a lot of that, even with our own team now with, uh, with certain differences in personnel and things of that sort. But, you know, I always liken it to when you're asking a guy to sacrifice and what that means and how we have to these days really, you know, we kind of beat it home and, and drill these things and whatnot. But, you know, being sacrificial at heart um, before you're asked to do uh, something, you're th- that way you're open to anything that's going to help uh, the team win. So I think for me, it was really about having some humility, more or less to play the game hard, not talk about it. Uh, but really be about it as you talk about these things with everyone else. I think the, the football side of things, uh, as everyone talked about from coaching it, uh, for me, it was more playing it, the exposure to um, all of the coaches around me that just when we talk about toughness. There's a lot of coaches that talk about toughness and things of that sort, and we try to instill that in our teams and, and our players and everything that they do. But, yeah. you know, the failure part shaped me, but – more or less, it was just the not wanting to disappoint those who had entrusted the opportunity to me to go out and, and, and do something great. And, and that bled over into the coaching side. So just really trying to make good, trying to do well, you know, and, and even the, my parents and who are still living, I'm fortunate and blessed with that and uh, and doing well and have retired and all that good stuff. But for them to 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 see what their boy did, you know, that, that's kind of, I'm still, a, I'm still their boy, you know, yeah. even though I'm X amount of years old with gray hair and my beard now and all that <laughs> stuff, but I'm still trying to go throughout life and do things the right way so that somebody, somebody's watching you. I can tell you that somebody's watching this podcast. It may make a difference. It may not, but some, somebody's watching everything you do yeah. and not always want you to succeed. I can tell you that. Yeah. So you have to, you have to go about your business, um, from a different mentality and mindset on what we want to accomplish and, and just realize it's going to influence somebody. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And, and want to come back to that as well. Um, okay. So one of the things that obviously we're here for, for professional development and people out there listening, uh, I, I want to get into to skills and, and, and really the, these questions are, are, are going to be a little bit different, um, Edwin, and, and you can go with this which, whichever way you want. But Edwin, I'll start with you. What are looking back? What are some of the skills that you built um, as a you know middle school <laughs> girls track coach and, and, and every other stop along the way? Um, what, what are some of the things that you know maybe people out there listening? Um, can kind of go, mm, okay, maybe, maybe this is an area I need to, I need to grow in, right? I, I didn't think about this. Talk about some of the skills that, that you're um, really trying or that you felt like you built. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, it goes back to even special ed, when I was a special ed teacher. Well, mm-hmm. anybody's taught special education, the kids all have different personalities. And just like our players have different swings, have different arm slots, have different ways they go about it. And they come from all over the place and have different experiences. And one thing that I learned is, is able to connect with each individual kid the best I could. So when I was teaching special ed, I had certain kids that loved NASCAR. 
And I didn't know much about it, but I had to learn about it for that kid to help him get this math problem and, and, and for him. Mm-hmm. I had another person just loves, you know, different type of music or whatever it is. And so getting that relationship with the players at a young age, as a young coach at the time, again, that was my foundation of like, you know what, that's, that's a key to some successful stuff down the road to be able to connect with every single kid mm-hmm. differently because they may have different backgrounds. And if you work in the public school system, there's different stories. And every kid has a different story and a different journey to that point in their life, whether they're on, on, on a government lunch or, or they live in a nice neighborhood. So those type of things were really important, understanding your players, understanding where you're at uh, and being realistic. And I think at the same time, never letting your standards drop below just because your program hasn't had success. And, and those were things that Coach Meter at, at UMF, you know, he, he instilled it. You know, we, we weren't on record. We didn't win a lot of games, but the standards that we had – the expectations, they, they, that didn't change. And so I think that's a thing that for young coaches is no matter what level, if you're at a JV middle school basketball coach like I was and I had 10, 11-year-olds, they had to dress a certain way. They had to act a certain way. Yes, adolescents are going to be adolescents, but I held them to a standard that I felt where I ultimately wanted to be. And, I, and that was kind of always my mindset. Like, I know I'm here, but I'm going to pretend that I'm coaching at, at the time I was coaching at you know a big school uh, as a college baseball coach. And I think that that really helped me um, as I went along and I didn't change myself. I didn't, I wasn't, I was the same coach that I was when I was coaching those kids when I got to Duke university mm-hmm. from division three with no division one experience. Well, that can be overwhelming, but at the end of the day, I'm still the same person. And mm-hmm. that was kind of what allowed me to, to no matter where I've been to kind of just plug in and plug and go. Um, so that foundation, again, it was, was so important just to be able to have that relationship with the players and understand that everyone's a little bit different. And coming from different different back 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 stores. Yeah. Can I just ask a real quick question? Also, just just on Edwin, I think you know when you when you look way back when you first started, and you had mentioned it a little bit right there. But you, your ultimate goal, you wanted to be a head coach in, in college baseball, mm-hmm. um, and, and so. But when you're, I guess my question is, is when you're developing those skills and going through that, that, that uh, time when you're, you, you know, your ultimate goal is way down there. Were you, was that always in the back of your mind or were you just working? Like what you had your goal in, in, in mind, but, but were you just you put, you're rolling up your sleeves, getting after it or, or was that end game always in the back of your mind? I guess that's it just was. Question. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, that was my objective, but I, I felt that I was at my dream school everywhere I've been. And when I got my first head coaching job at varsity basketball at Jay High School, my alma mater in Jay, Maine, I took that program like I was running my college program that I ultimately wanted to run down the road. And from parents dealing with fundraising, everything, it was, it was organized. And, and yeah, we, it was a high school basketball program. But I always trained myself and thought about that because that was, I wanted to make sure I, I didn't want to look too far ahead. I wanted to kind of stay where my feet were at. And that was really important for me because at the time, if you're really looking at it from a long term and all of a sudden you're coaching, you know, like I said, middle school track. And then two years later, you're at Duke University in the ACC. Like that doesn't happen unless mm-hmm. it was a product of my, I mean, my, my, my mindset. And so when I got to Bates College, and I'll tell you the story because I think young coaches sometimes will think, oh, you're Division three or you're at a smaller school. Well, Bates is a very highly academic school. I didn't know much about the academic landscape. I mean, I just didn't. So when I would go, I would go down to perfect game and, and watch, and I would sit back and I'd watch 
the Virginias of the, of the world and Stanford's and, and I would find out where they were going, what events were they going to go to? And I just basically followed behind them. And I didn't know exactly what I was looking for at the time, but I knew if those guys were doing it and they were in the same kind of academic world that I was going to, then I better follow along. And then from that foundation, I would be like the only division three scope at the time. Now this things have changed, but this was, you know, 2008, 2009, I was one of the really few division three head coaches or coaches at these events. And, and out there like, why are you here? I'm like, well, because I want to be where you're at. So I'm going to make sure I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting that experience now mm-hmm. and helping my program win. So when it does get opportunity, I will already have that preparation. So it's a smooth transition to when I go to interview, I could say, this is the events that I'm going to go to. And here's why, because all these other schools are doing it that I'm trying to recruit against or with. So I think that's oh, kind of, I know yeah. I, I add that on, but I just wanted to make sure I didn't lose that piece with the young coaches Absolutely. out there. Like that's, Go where you ultimately want to be, but you got to do your job best your ability at, at, at the place you're at. Yeah. Awesome. Mark, that's, that's a great question. The two things I've heard too, because I, I, I found another skill there, just you talking about of observing, mm-hmm. right? And, and really mm-hmm. watching what, what other people are, are, are doing. And then the piece that I, I think this is what you said product of your mindset. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. You're a product of your mind. I mean, that, that's a, that's a tweet right there, ABCA. That's a, <laughs> but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, I think that that's so many times of, of you can throw up so many barriers and, and you know, you don't even get started. You know, so yeah. I, uh, that's, that, that was, yeah. That was, yeah. My, my dad grew up in Northeast DC back in, you know, in the, in the 50, you know, early thirties, forties. And so like, you can, you can make, you can make it huge to make things happen. Is what he always would tell me. And mm-hmm. that, that's a fact. And mm-hmm. so like, no matter what the situation was ever presented to me, whether it be a thousand dollar stipend, I got to drive the vans, I got to do all these things. I was like, great. And I'll, I'll do it. And mm-hmm. I lost money because I would lose money going out and recruiting to go to these different events. And, you know, and so I think that's kind of, it's important to understand. It's like to do this, if you want to do this in this business and to stay in it for a while, you have to have that vision uh, ultimately. And it's all, it's all, a lot of it comes down to what you, what you believe. If you make a huge, like, Oh, well, I didn't get this job and I, I've been told no multiple times in my career. And if I let that get beat me down, it's kind of like, well, yeah. this, I use an analogy for baseball. If you fail 70% of the time or even 80% of the time, you're going to get 20%. Sometimes you may get a job interview and then next you get, you know, maybe you get a job. So it's just that type of mindset I think is important. Yeah. It's outstanding. Yeah. So Elton, real quick, just throwing this to you and, and you can go, you know, kind of either way, it's still on the skills. I, I wanted to just, um, pick your brain as you, you, you talked about two coaches, um, uh, Tim Corbin and, and Doug Colvett. Tell me a little bit about like working for them and maybe some of the, the skills that you saw in them that, you know, maybe today you, you still um, utilize. Well, when, when PC was an NAIA school uh, initially, uh, I can speak to the D3 mentality that, uh, that everyone's speaking to very, very much uh, because I saw both Coach Corbin, uh, initially Coach Corbin, when we were playing for him, um, he drove, it was a it was a Kubota tractor, actually. I still, I had someone give me, uh, I think it was like 500 bucks for that thing uh, just a few years ago. And they saw it in my, in my dugout uh, and they had a son that worked for, uh, for that company and they, they wanted it because it was still running. And so it was well kept, is my point. Uh, Coach Corbin took care of his uh, his items, and uh, but what I used to see him do every single day was cut the grass, was line the field, was 
clean up the dugout, hold us responsible. And the one thing he held us responsible for every single day before a game is we had to shine our shoes. And that's something I even hold my son accountable to, who's only, again, nine years old, but I make him wash his or wipe his shoes off or spray them with whatever, clean them up before every single game, just to get in the habit of doing the little things. You know, it's not everything yet. I can't ask him to do too much. It'll overwhelm him and we won't get out the door. But, you know, to clean your shoes, that habit is in place. And so I know he's going to have that done before we, uh, we get to the ballpark. So playing for Coach Corbin and Coach Kovash really kind of instilled that. I saw them working on the field. So when I got the head job, I mean, we – still in a modest situation to say the least uh, at PC. So there's a lot that still has to be done from the top down. And we do have a servant mentality uh, uh, type that we subscribe to. And so uh, nothing is beyond me from taking out the trash to picking up balls or, um, you know, I can't expect anyone else to respect me if I'm barking orders and I'm not willing to submit myself uh, to them in, in that capacity. So that, that's a part of the way that we do it, you know? Um, and I think from those guys, they taught me that foundational, nothing is above you. Mm-hmm. And if you're willing to submit in that regard, then obviously when asked to do sacrificial things within the game, I think it comes a lot more full circle. Yeah. And so you can really see it. It's more tangible. Yeah. I like um, that. So the, the atten- attention <clears throat> to detail and, and servant mentality. I, I think that that's uh those are two, two just great, great points. Um, that's yeah. good. That's good. Well, can- the, the attention to details, I think, every, you know, all of us sitting here, that's one thing that, you know, just the, what you just said is that we're all striving to do every day. You know, we call it ATD in our program, you know, and it's just, it's in our locker room, attention to detail, you know, and, and uh, that's a, that, that's a great story, uh, uh, you know, and, and some unbelievable skill sets that, have to be passed along the younger people be willing to do those things if you want to be successful um unbelievable um i'm sorry spence i cut you off did you have something okay um i think we'll we'll kind of swing back over to edwin you know and again your your story is 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 uh multifaceted there's a lot of stuff going on and, and and you've held a lot of different positions and I think this question you can, I, I think with your experiences that you've had, you know, not just the, where your landing spot is now, but I think um, as you're moving through your process, um, what are the, the people that were making decisions on the jobs that you were, you, you were seeking, you know, what, what, you know, whether it was an athletic director, a head coach, um, you know, wherever it might be, you know, a, a, an administrator, what, what were the things that you felt like as you were moving through those processes, what were they really looking for and kind of what put you, you know, whether it was you're in, a, in the interview room or kind of what put you in the position you ultimately received, you, you got the job. Um, mm-hmm. what, what were they looking for? What as you, as you're moving through, what, what were the things that kind of stood out to you that you knew when you got in the room, I'm going to have to make sure I demonstrate this. Yeah, I think that's, you know, there's always the, um, you know, and I'm a parent now, and I, I kind of use this analogy a lot of times, you know, is like as a parent, when you have your first child, um, people say, are, are, you know, are you ready? Are you ready or are you prepared? And I think there's a combination in, in coaching where you may think that you're ready, but you're really not ready. Amen. But are you prepared? <laughs> that's that's the most important one for me. Like you, there's always, people always say, well, 
you never had any recruiting experience. Well, you've never been a head coach. Okay, well, I need the opportunity. I'm prepared is kind of how I've always approached it. And so I've, as I've gone through you know, my journey, um, the two things that I've always believed is persistence and a belief in myself. Now, I'm going to bet on myself every day of the week because I know my worth. And that's how it was instilled in my, my parents and how we work. Um, and I'm going to know when I go into a room, if I don't get the job, it's not because I'm not prepared. I may not be ready, but I'm, I'm prepared to go out there and do um, help this organization. So I think mm-hmm. the biggest thing that I learned over, over time in multiple interviews in different rooms and in, in wide ranges, it just comes down to can they trust you? You know, are you going to be loyal to that organization? You know, am I am I going to be able to represent that their brand, their university in a positive light? Um, a lot of times people get this un, don't understand when you go to head coaching interviews. A lot of times it's it's not about X's and O's. Mm-hmm. They don't care no. about offensive philosophy, your pitching philosophy. They don't they they don't care about that. How are you going to develop right. the young man that you're going to get? How are you going to help them graduate? How are you going to be able to get them to do um, to 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 move on to be good 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 husbands, good fathers? And then what's your plan to fundraise? What's your plan to work with alumni? What's your plan to represent on campus? What's your plan with the community? And so uh, along the way, there might've been times where I felt that I was ready, but looking back, I wasn't ready now that I have that, you know, the experience. But I was prepared for my job interview. I was prepared for that job, but I may not be ready from an experience standpoint. And there is some real, you know, it's, it, you know, if you come out of college, you're not ready to be a head coach. It just, that's the nature of it. You need that. You need those thousand dollar stipends or, you know, if you're fortunate enough, like coach Paul, get $2,800 stipend. You need those, <laughs> those big money paydays and have those opportunities. But I think, you know, the biggest thing is trust. No different than I want to trust my players to do the right thing off the field. The AD is going to make sure that I, he can trust me or she can trust me to make sure that I'm doing uh, my part to represent the program and the university in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Can they trust you to be consistently prepared? <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. that's, are, are you ready or versus prepared? That's, that's awesome. Well, Elton, again, like with your story too, is that you were out of the game, you know, and, and, and you, you, you know, you, you put yourself in a position, kind of the same thing, like as you were moving through your career and um, to get to the landing point where you're at, what are some of the things that you kind of felt, those decision makers were looking for, you know, ultimately for you to, 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 you know, land where you are now. Um, and, and, and heck you were out of the game like that, that, that's a, that's a real different path than what Edwin had. Like, so how did you kind of manage that? And then what did you kind of, your experiences, what were you, what, what do you think they were looking for, you know, for you to be the head coach where you're at now? Well, I think one, and I'll go back to this was a skill that I knew even during college that I I felt like um, I felt like I had, but I didn't know to what degree. And I thought that it could always be polished. And it was public speaking. I think it was a I took a public speaking class in college. Um, I've got in my family are a long line of great uh, preachers and, and teachers and people who are just can 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 really give you some, um, you know, just really produce whatever they want you to feel through words. And I wanted to really be uh, able to do that. And I've always felt like I've been able to, to, to get up and hold a crowd and be able to, to influence them in that way. 
Uh, but I didn't realize how much I didn't know or how much I didn't have until I took that class. And I saw others uh, do it and I saw people become confident uh, the more that they did it. And so it put us in a room and, and on a stage to be able to, to do those things. So my, my recommendation would be uh, to, to rid yourself of the fear of speaking uh, as best you can. And some people have a real issue with it. Um, I know I've had assistants in the past that didn't feel really comfortable and they got more comfortable as they got in their circles and got to know the guys that they were coaching. But this is it's something that sometimes us as head coaches find ourselves doing all the time. And I think uh, people think it's easy until we get in settings where I point out to the captains, hey, I want you guys to address the team. And oh, what, coach? No, I can't do that. Or, you know, we got a community service project and I'm like, hey, I want you to bring the message and, and, and just tell them the story at this event. And they're just like petrified and, and sweating before they are able to do that. So that's a skill that I think has to be honed. I think uh, if they get an opportunity um, as they're progressing uh, through their coaching walk to take any type of uh, public speaking uh, opportunity or class, a class setting uh, where you can really be defined by, by someone that's instructing and, and give you an opportunity to, to, to become better at that. I think it's only going to enhance uh, your ability to speak for yourself and, and just become more confident. If you can speak for yourself, you're probably pretty confident um, um, as far as being able to, to talk about your skill and, and what you're able to provide. So uh, that, that, that's number one for me. I, I just think the people skill, everyone talk, I mean, everyone's spot on with that. I mean, just the ability to connect <clears throat> in and throughout uh, is very important. Uh, but I think, you know, that just being able to communicate, the communication is key. Uh, I think one, one other thing, I, um, and I'll talk a little bit more specific on this, is, is you know, another skill is transparency. Um, everyone, everyone talked about this as well, just knowing that you're loyal, you're on their team, that you're, that you're willing to, to move your program within the boundaries and the scope of the mission of, uh, of the university or the college. Um, and the other thing is uh, um, for us mid-majors and, and smaller colleges and division two and division three, you better be good with numbers. Uh, you better have some aspect of how to stay within the confines of the budget that you're given uh, because many times, you know, I mean, it's not about wins and losses. Uh, it's about graduating those kids and making sure they do well. But ultimately, did you stay under budget with what you were provided uh, by the institution? <laughs> and we all know we need more. We all know we need enough to, to be able to function. And therein lies the fundraising and everything else, the other skills and intangibles that it would take. So yeah, that's, that's me in a nutshell. Yeah, that, that's really good. Um, and I think the, the one thing, too, when I think of you, your, your story, Elvin, is, is that you know, people don't think when, when you get hired at your alma mater, Right. You you have better have been a pretty good representative and had some of those things as a player. You know, so sometimes that, that that's you know, that, that's a good good thing. OK, so I, I've got I've got a question and, and I, I want us to kind of think now as um, what, you know, someone listening to this podcast, someone, um, you know, looking to to break in. Maybe it's someone, hey, that's trying to be an assistant to get their head coaching job. It could be a, a you know junior college coach trying to get to um, just higher in the ranks, right? Uh, quote unquote, I say higher, right? Um, you know what 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 are some of um, either advice, uh, but but I also want you to, to to start with, and this is at least my thought is that I, I do feel it's more competitive now 
um, and be, because there, there's there's a little bit more money in it. But but what what are some of the challenges? And, and then what are what again just some additional advice that we could kind of throw out there for people to um, really just try to take something tangible away. Um, Edwin, why don't you start off there? Um, persistence, I think, is important. Um, there was one job that I uh, didn't get. I drove three uh, three hours um, to drop off my resume, and I waited another three hours to eight the AD because I really wanted the job because I had no job at the time. Um, so... <laughs> I, I was persistent in the sense um, to tell the AD, I'm here. I'm about the business. I just drove three hours. I just wanted five minutes of your time. Um, why don't you just send an email? Well, I don't, I don't, I didn't want to trust it. I knew if I drove over there, they could see me. They could see my passion that I had for that job. Mm. And I think that sometimes can get lost with, I, I didn't get the job, but mm. it wasn't because it was, I, I just wasn't ready. Right. I was prepared, but I wasn't mm. ready. Um, and, and so I think that sometimes when guys don't get jobs, people get frustrated. I got frustrated. Like, why didn't I get that job? I, I think I'm qualified for it. But then you have to ask yourself, were you prepared? And I think that's the first step. You look at yourself in the mirror. Like I tell my players, if, if we didn't win, we didn't play well enough. That's it. And there's no other excuses. Simple as that. And so your preparation to get the jobs, how much do you know about the job? How much do you know about the program? I've interviewed people recently that didn't know about, about our program. I asked them questions about our, our, you know, be prepared about that school. Be prepared about that head coach if you're applying for an assistant job. Be prepared to, to, to know and have some content and have some dialogue, not just like, oh, you know, all these great things. Well, that's great, but how can you help our team win? How are you going to impact our community? What do you know about our area? What do you know what we've been doing in the community? You know, and that's just, those things are important. And I think same thing goes if you're applying for a, a, a head job, whether, whether at any level. Know the school that you're applying to. Know what their mission is for their athletic department and their university. You know, watch. I tell this to my to my staff. Watch when an AD gets hired in his press conferences. Watch what he is he's talking about in his press conference. You better believe it. Better match up to what you believe mm. for an interview, right? And and those are things that I think I could spend all day talking about your preparation for a job. It, it's a it's a process. It's like an art. It's like recruiting. You can't just you can go out and watch a kid that throws 95 and say, OK, he's, he has talent. But then what intangibles does he have mm. you know, during this whole era of video right now? I've been having um, players. I say, send me a picture of you striking a video. You're striking out. And they're like, why? I want to see how you go back to the dugout. Mm. And, and, and that those type of things are, are, are things you don't think about in the interview process. But you need to you need to be prepared. I think that's the biggest thing I advice I can give any coach out there is you better be prepared when you go to an interview or even apply for a job that you may be considering um, because it, 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 you, if not, you'll get exposed really quickly, whether it be in your resume, whether it be in your cover letter, um, those things happen all the time where I had resumes where people had the wrong name, the wrong, um, you know, just like we have emails, same, it goes hand in hand and it comes back down to how prepared are you um, for, for your opportunity that you have if you're able to get a phone interview or if you're able to get on campus. And then once you're there, that's another conversation. But that's the biggest thing I would say. Yeah, that, that, that's it's, a big one. Go, go ahead. I, I just want to follow up, I guess, you know, just kind of what you're saying, Edwin, is, is that um, can, you, can you maybe tell our listeners the difference between a job and a career? I mean, I think that's something that, that, that what I hear is that you've interviewed some people and they, they're not prepared, but to them it's a job. 
is probably mm-hmm. not a career. Can you kind of can you explain that kind of in your own terms? Can you is there a difference kind of what again um, being a head coach, all of us like what what's the difference and, and what, how can a a listener benefit from this answer? Well, I, I think it it really comes down to and like we talked about it, the sacrifices. It's no different than if you're in a relationship early on in your coach, you better communicate to your significant other and tell them how your job's going to be. You're going to be on the road. There's no weekends. We work nights. And if all those things are not really for you, then this may not be the best situation that you choose as a profession because you can go get a job anywhere. Like I always tell my players, you know, I tried. Well, I can get the bus driver to try. I need you to get it done. Right. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I love, I love you, but I, I, I got to feed my family at the end of the, you know, so but that type of mentality, I think, is it can get lost if you don't have that 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 mindset. And and so for me, it's um, you better have an understanding. And I'm I'm you know, and I, I give Tony Rossi at uh, at uh, Siena. Yeah, he, he gave me. I applied to his volunteer job one time, and he basically laid out everything that this job does not include. And it was about <laughs> two pages, and I, I got it from him recently because we played him this year, and I asked him for that document, and it was it's so it's clear, clears it out. And if you don't want all those things that this does not cover because people assume things in life and you should never assume. And so you better understand this is what you really want to do. And because like, like any level outside of a handful of schools that, that, that have, you know, have endless budgets, it is what it is. You're going to get out there. You're going to have to work. There may, you know, you're not above like, you know, trash, the laundry to, you know, handing out the waters for the player. I mean, all those different things that, you may not on paper sign up for, but you better expect to be able to do that. So that's good. That's one thing I want to uh, follow up on that you brought up there is, is, you know, your, your situation, right. And, and I was very similar to you, Edwin, is, is mm-hmm. I was, uh, you know, single and, and I, I, I realized really quick, I, I grew up in the Pacific Northwest and, and I looked around and I said, wow, like, you know, University of Washington was rolling back in the day, you know, Pac-12 schools. Like I, I found out really quick that I was not going to get a Division One job in my area, that I, I needed to at least be open to, to, to move it. And I think, I think it's important that everyone looks at their situation, right? And then if, if you do have a significant other, okay, <laughs> have that conversation, right? Because, you, you know, you, you brought up what you were talking about is, being able to show passion for your job, mm-hmm. right? Being able to, the head coach calls and says, hey, listen, the, the sprinkler bus, I, I need you to run over there and turn it off and it's 11 p.m., right? It, it, it's, you know, your significant other has to has to understand that and all of those those little things add up to then you potentially getting that that next job. But I think that's so, that's so key, so, so huge. Um, Elton, what, what, what do you got there? Uh, what, what do you think just as far as, um, you know, being able to add and, 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 and for, for the listeners, um, you know, what, 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 are, what are some things that uh, they, they can take away? Well, I mean, I, I, just as, as Mark was, uh, his question to Edwin there, uh, the difference in a job and a career is, uh, to me, is, is sacrifice, but it's also love, to be honest. I mean, I think if you got a career, you probably love what you do. It doesn't mean that it's always good. I mean, I love the game of baseball. It's some it's some dark days sometimes uh, in the game, as we can all attest to. But I mean, I think it's very real about um, the fact that we love this game and you love what you do, 
And, you know, I do think we, you know, as a whole, you know, we're, we're trying to do better. Uh, I thought the, um, the third assistant was a, was a good legislation that was put forward. Uh, I don't know <clears throat> if it may have passed. I, I'm not so sure about the landscape of, uh, of knowing about the fact that you've got the three black head coaches on this call uh, right now that are at predominantly white institutions in, in, in the country. And, you know, I don't know if, if it's public knowledge at the top, uh, I guess for uh, like so many words, um, so that it would bring about the change. We can meet all we want uh, and we can meet until, you know, it's, uh, you know, to try to do something from the ground up as we need to. I think that the game has to, we got to keep youth playing the game and whatnot. But if we're going to diversify, we got to have more opportunities. I mean, you can't just diversify our, our game if there's no positions available. You know, where, where, do, the, where, where do the jobs come from? Uh, and then as everyone's talking about the preparedness uh, for those limited opportunities, man, you got to be perfect. You know, you got to be spot on. You got to be um, or, or feel that you have to be. And that's not to put pressure, but that's just to make sure that you're prepared, that you're going to do your best. And that way, if you get the position, you get it because you were prepared. I thought that was awesome. But I think there's a lot to say about how we approach this, um, you know, and, and a lot of things. But to answer your question uh, on that side, I think you just got to love what you're doing. Uh, and that's the way, that's why we started where we did. Uh, but, you know, I mean, I think it's a different era. We got a different kid, you know, as well. It's not a lot of football-minded baseball players out there. I want them, you know, I want them bad. Uh, because I mean, because you know what you get day in and day out, uh, and the competitiveness in that type of kid. Uh, but they, I think a lot of kids, I don't know, we, we had a, I'll just say a travel team in the area, uh, here where I am. And, you know, they wanted to, the first thing you want to do is get a team together and play tournaments. I'm like, well, the first thing we probably need to do is practice for about three months. You know, I mean, we need, to, we need, to, we need to grind and we need to figure out what to do and teach these folks how to play the game and what we want so you know that that's that's the part um i think that gets left out it kids play so much baseball and yes they get better at the skills part of the game the hitting the throwing the catching i just think from being in different situations but man the, the, what about the sacrifices when you need it to win a game what about you know hitting behind a runner what about moving a guy what about turning a single into a double at the right time based on the score and, and what the risk versus reward is. And so that, that kind of thing, the, the innuendos of, of, of reteaching the game are, I don't, I wouldn't say it's a lost art, but it's, <clears throat> we, we find ourselves teaching that a lot more when they get in versus them coming in with those types of skills. We need to have a whole other podcast on that deal. I would love <laughs> to go for another hour <laughs> Those are great points. I mean, I, I, you're spot on. But what I think what I heard probably that really got my attention is, you know, I think, uh, you know, we, we missed the mark on the third paid assistant. You know, I think that's one thing that two years ago we we're sitting in a room and that that legislation was coming up. And, and you know, I, I know that I was banging my fist because for me, the biggest thing is opportunity, you know, and, and, and a lot of decision makers were caught up in, you know, funding and all that stuff. But it, bottom line is if you create opportunity, um, each institution can find a way to kind of how that looks, you know, and, and, and for me, I think we missed the mark on that. So I think the, the next challenge for our group and, 
is that how can we create opportunity, you know, and, and how can those opportunities intersect with the people that are, you know, have promising career paths, you know, and, and so um, that's our challenge. That's why we've, uh, you know, we, 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 it's taken us two uh, over two years to get to this point to, you know, have our first real, you know, real, I guess, reach out to everybody on our podcast. But Elton, you're 100% right. The, the opportunity, if we can find a way to get that back on there and, and, and get that third assistant um, on there, I think it does open up opportunity for the group that we're speaking to. Um, and so that's a really kind of a big challenge for us. But uh, um, I, the, the, the baseball piece, you know, I think you and I need to get on the horn and start talking, talking about that stuff because I'm telling you, you're 100% right. The, the game, you know, as far as it, that's a whole other discussion. I love what you're saying there, man. It's, it's yeah, awesome. I'm, all, I'm all about that discussion. <laughs> I'm all in. Let me know. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you can get our thoughts together and have some good discussion and good laughs, if anything. Yeah. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. So, so again, guys, j- just want to, to, to kind of give, as we start to, to wrap this up, um, I, I want to continue to give, um, you know, tr- trying, to, trying to add value um, to, to listeners. And that's something that I, I heard really from, from both of you of you know, how, how you can do that. But, you know, we talked about, um, uh, guys, you know, trying to potentially climb. What about, um, some of the things and, and I'm, this is where I need to grow and be better, but what are some, some ideas, whether it's for athletic directors, head coaches, um, just other, other coaches, minority coaches who are in the game, Right. What 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 can we do, um, you know, to, to continue to make progress uh, in, in, you know, with, with when we're talking about hiring African-American, um, getting more black coaches in the game. Elton, what, what, why don't you start off there? Well, I think visibility is a big thing that I have to charge myself with a, a lot more. I think I, I mean, everybody's got it tough. I mean, from juggling family to 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 your programs. And, and sometimes we can really spend all of our time entrenched in our programs. But I think, uh, I think we've got a bigger calling to, to really be more visible and, and more accessible uh, to the general public where it concerns people that want to be a part of our game uh, in whatever capacity that may be and, and wherever we may be able to lend that type of information. So um, that, that, that's a biggie for me. I, I mean, I, I've been, taking it upon myself to, to go back and, and rekindle relationships. I just got off the road this morning, coming back from Atlanta, meeting with some guys and, and, and really just rekindling some fires since we can't uh, be on the road watching kids. I'm just visiting uh, those relationships uh, a little bit to try to, to bring about some awareness and, and that, Hey, I'm here, you know, I'm here as a, as a resource. Uh, and, you know, if you've got some, access to kids obviously if you're talking about you know summer ball coaches or high school coaches and whatnot um yeah i want to i want to be well connected and stay connected there as well and there's guys that want to make the jump from there from time to time uh for whatever um you know for whatever their their career path or or whatever they want to you know whatever direction they want to go in but I, i think for the most part it is you know really about putting ourselves in a in a good position to be visible yeah, that's, that's good. That's really good. Edwin, what, what are your thoughts? Um, I think somebody have given us all opportunities in our careers. Um, and I think that's where it comes down to. And I always say opportunity is, you know, I'll prepare already when you know, that opportunity comes, but it also comes down to looking outside um, what's different. 
Um, you know, I'm a black coach, but I, I just look at it as I'm a baseball coach. That's who I am. I'm a father. I'm a husband. That's first and foremost. And, and I think, you know, when you look at that is when Sean McNally hired me at Duke university from a division three school with no division one experience, he had to believe in me and trust me that I could go out and help him and help his program win. And that was because I was prepared. That was because I was ready. And so you have to have that belief in yourself and the belief and confidence if you're trying to make that jump um, to do so. And then coaches in this country, and I'm just being honest, have to be able to look outside of themselves and, 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 and hire outside of a different circle. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, if any coach out there is looking to hire uh, a, a minority coach or black coach, I have a good list and I have a very talented pool. And if you'd like it, just email me, I'll, I'll help you out. And I think there's that type of mentality of if you, and I said this the other night on, on an interview, it's like, if you want your school to represent your university, your program to look like your university, which is diverse, then you need to hire diverse. You need to recruit diverse. And that's what it, it comes down to is a choice that we all make. And I think, um, how you go about that is different for every program. And I'm not here to tell you how to run your programs and how to coach and recruit. Everyone does it differently, but if it's important to you, you'll do it. And I think allowing ADs to understand what, where we're, where we're lacking in our game in baseball with minorities. Um, I think like I said, it's hard at the top and they have to be aware. And I think they have, they, and a lot of them probably don't even know. Yeah. So, um, you know, for me, it's just opportunity. And then, and then, you know, looking outside of your, your, your circle, and, and looking at some people that uh, can add, add value to your program that you may not thought before. Very well put. Yeah, that, that, that's one of the things that we had talked about, you know, on an earlier call is that, um, you know, the, the ability, even if, if, you know, you quote unquote know who you're going to hire, right? And maybe that's, maybe that you're elevating a, an assistant or, mm-hmm. Um, and this is something that I'm from, you know, from now on, I, I'm 100% in, in anything that I'm going to do, I'm still going to open it up and I'm still going to hire uh, or excuse me, an interview, um, you know, because that, that when you have a job opening as, as a coach or as, a, as an athletic director, um, that's an opportunity because maybe, um, you know, maybe uh, down the road, there's a job opening or maybe your buddy, your network, right, calls you up and goes, "Hey, who, who?" And, and, and that's when, when all of a sudden you're going, "Hey, listen, I, you know, you know, I was going to elevate my assistant, but I interviewed, you know, so and so, and man, this guy's plan his, you know, this guy is prepared, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and so I think that that's something for sure. I, I love love to hear that from. from, and, from I, you guys there. and I'll leave this real quick before I got to jump off here, but when you're an assistant and you're working camps, you don't know who that guy's going to be. I was a division three coach working camps. And then two weeks, two months later, two years later, whatever it was, I was a head coach. And, and then all of a sudden the guys that weren't working at camps, weren't being professional, weren't doing their job. I think they tried calling me coach. Hey, I didn't, I didn't call them back, but the guys that had value, the guys that I had conversation with the guys that were engaged, what I was trying to tell them, I've hired multiple guys and offered jobs off guys that I've met through camps and, and networking. Like, like mm-hmm. mentioned. that is a valuable thing. I forgot to mention that last time young coaches out there, if you're at a camp, be, you can recruit a player every single camp you go to, whether they have the talent you're looking for collectively or not. It's a choice you're going to make when you go out there, when you leave there with a the mindset to go in there and be like, I'm going to attack this and I'm going to maybe, maybe I'll network and I might be someone that's going to be a head coach. And all of a sudden that person, like Spence said, knows this person and it, it's how it works. And, and I think, there's a network that's out there 
I think it's your job to make sure you get in that network. But if you're not in that network, how can you get into that network? And how you do that is by being professional, being loyal, being hardworking and willing to learn. Those things are critical no matter what job you're looking to get into. You'll have a good chance to have success, in my opinion. So uh, I appreciate you guys, uh, all you're doing and looking forward to, to more. It's a great job, man. It's an honor to have you on here. Thank you so much. Awesome. awesome. Thanks, Edwin. Yeah, thanks, Edwin. Good job. Yeah. So, Elton, final thoughts. Yeah. What, do you, what do you want to leave us with? Well, I think I would piggyback off of what Edwin's talking about. And, and I, quite honestly, this is for young coaches that are – that are already in the game because I think there are there are a lot and everyone's got his list of guys and he's we've talked a lot actually offline and we share uh, a lot and I respect him a tremendous amount as a matter of fact when he was at Duke uh, I interviewed at Duke uh, for the head job there and was a finalist for uh, for that job a few years ago uh, Coach Pollard got the job there um, but in my communication with Edwin uh, you know. He was in a tough situation, but at the same time, uh, he had done everything he needed to do to impress me to, to remain the recruiting coordinator if I had gotten a job. And, and so that relationship, just from me knowing him, but also on the field, we, we played them during that time, and he could see the type of teams that we run out, and, and uh, we're just scrappy, bunch of guys that are going to absolutely get after you from one, the first inning all the way through the ninth. And, and that's just the mentality that we try to bring. But I'll just say this on the recruiting side of things for your young coaches out there that aspire. One of the things I do when I go to an event is I want to see who's working. And I, and I really survey the land about who's caught up in the chatter, the idle chatter uh, that usually goes on uh, with certain groups of, of, of folks and who can separate themselves and be locked in. And quite honestly, be dialed in into the very last pitch of the event. Who's leaving early from that event? I, I watch all of that because I've been that guy. And one of the traits of anyone that recruits for me typically is that they're going to be there all the way to the last pitch. And that can be very difficult, especially when you get in some of these tournament where, tournaments and the big tournaments where there's rain and changing of schedules and games aren't being completed until, you know, two and three in the morning. You got to be right back up at eight o'clock and you're there for, you know, week number two and a half and you're almost – all the way through the third week, and Sounds like it late. can be a grind. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> or East Cobb back in the day, uh, you know. As, as yeah, East Cobb with no curve. That's right. That's exactly right. So, you know, th those things are impressive to me that I try to watch and try to see in young aspiring coaches, especially uh, who's working, who can I trust, and and when they're working like that on their own. And you can kind of survey it in that capacity. Uh, you know the type of guy uh, that he's going to be if he's working for either yourself or someone that you know. You can put your stamp on on at least the way that somebody works. So you know, my my uh, my that would be my you know my my two cent to anybody that's you know already kind of in the game and, and and wanting to to go a little bit higher. If you're not in the game, I think Edwin gave some great points on you know how to how to get in the door, how to how how to get on that list. Uh, that he has, how, how to just be a guy every time, you know, you get a chance to do that. And and ultimately what I'm looking for is, you know, it matters to me because uh, it was instilled in me, but how you look, how you, how you dress, how you, you know, how, what, what's, are, are you professional? That's all we ever ask, you know, mm -hmm. are you professional when you go out about your business? So thank you. Guys, thank you very much. Spence, with that, with what Elton said, be the guy who wants to be there, make their program better more than the guy that wants to get another job.
Yeah, outstanding. Yeah, because you're going to see those guys when you're out working. The guys Ellen talked about that chatter. You know the guys that are just pumping guys for information on jobs rather than trying to bear down and and make their own program better. Hundred percent. Yeah, that's 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 a great point. Uh, I can tell you this is that uh, selfishly I got better today. So I just I really appreciate you guys um, coming on and, and talking about you know this subject. Like I said. I got better today. I just really appreciate the fact that, you know, we got a chance to have this little round table and, and uh, kind of share our thoughts and stuff. So selfishly, I got better, but I think it's a great information. I think the one thing that, you know, our group is tasked with is, is opportunity. I think that is one thing that we are tasked with and we're going to continue to, to, to grind away and create opportunity to, to, to again, intersect that with the, the career path of minorities and, um, and advance their careers. So that's what we're going to do. And, and we're going to continue to grind away. Um, uh, I did kind of joke about having you back on Elton, but that's going to happen. We're going <laughs> to down the road, we're going to have you back. And, and, uh, but, but, uh, th this has been a, a, a great first opportunity for us to reach out and kind of springboard our group into, uh, professional development. And, uh, again, I'm honored and humbled to be part of the group. Spencer, thank you again for including me. Ryan, thank you so much to you and the ABCA for, for providing us the platform to do this. Um, again, I'm very humbled and honored to be a part of it, but I can tell you this, I think we have a lot of work to do. Um, and uh, our group is, is in place for, for people to reach out and help us. What We, we can help in any way we can. Um, our information is on abca.org. Um, we're, we're willing to mentor, we're, we're willing to direct and help uh, get those things rolling. So. Again, thanks again to the ABCA. Um, take a take a look at the Frank Robinson uh, Baseball Coaches Association. Also, if you get a chance, hit that up, and, and uh, we're going to try and continue to advance careers. So, again, thank you very much. Um, good luck, everybody. Spence, you're up. Thank you, Spence. Yeah, it's awesome. Just, just quick, I just want to just summarize, um, you know, two things from people um, that, that are trying to grow and, 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 and move up slash through this game is really, you know, um, you know, focus on skills, focus on adding value to organizations, uh, as well as focusing on um, real uh, relationships. You know, that's just both from, from Elton and Edwin. It was just so, um, you know, it just over and over, I just kept hearing that of, of, of building those relationships and ultimately those relationships kind of build you into the coach that, that we are, you know, and, and, and I, I believe that everything from your family. Um, I, I know, you know, my mom had a big part in, in, in uh, a huge part in, in my evolution, as well as coaches who gave me the opportunity. Uh, and so I, I'm, I'm very grateful. And um, so I think that that's, that's real important. And, and, and the one thing, uh, last thing I'll leave you with is, you know, really what, what Elton talked about is, um, you know, trying to live your life, uh, wanting to be the example, not, not, not to the point where it paralyzes you, right? And you, and you don't want to ever be wrong and, and be perfect. But, but I think a good amount of that um, fear, for lack of a better word, of, and just really wanting to represent, uh, I think you're going to look up in 10 years and go, wow, that, that helped me. That helped keep me on a really, really good path. And just the last thing, like Coach Martinez said, us is that, that are in the game, and, and this is me included, 100%. Um, we got to be better. We got to be advocates. We got to give more opportunity. 
Um, we, we, we've got to be resources, uh, anything and, 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 and all that we can do. So just a lot of thanks to the ABCA, Ryan. Um, our, our relationship goes deep and, and appreciate all that, that you're doing and that you've done for me uh, in my career. Um, and, and just want to continue being better in, in all aspects. And so just thank you all. Thanks for joining us. And that, was, that was a lot of fun. Thank you, coaches. This was tremendous. Thank you. Huge thanks to Edwin, Elton, Spencer, and Mark. All four are shining examples of why baseball is in a great place and continues to grow. Coach Allen and Coach Martinez again knocked it out of the park pulling double duty. This is another go back and listen episode for me. This is Ryan Brownlee signing off for the American Baseball Coaches Association. Thanks and leave it better for those behind you. Oh,